tonight at uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, and uh, we've been looking at uh, really uh, the Judaizers who tried to bring in false doctrine there into the church of Galatia, but tonight we're going to look at uh, the holiness with respect uh, to Christ and uh, our lives before it. Are we living and working and, uh, you know, <laughs> carrying on our duties as a Christian in a way that is pleasing to God? Galatians chapter 5 tonight if you have your Bibles, finding your likeness to Christ and the provision of Christ's likeness. You know, all of Paul's letters deal with uh, belief, but it also deals with behavior, principles, and practice. What you believe is how you're going to live. So as we look here tonight at Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. And then it's going to go on. Uh, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I have told you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And uh, we understand here that God gives us a listing of ways with which people will live by the flesh. You live by what feels good. And we are in a day and age of a lot of individuals that live their life by their feelings and not upon truth and principles of God's word. And uh, so many individuals do live their lives by their feelings, and it leads to disaster. It leads to catastrophe. It leads to a host of problems. If you follow your feelings every time the feelings are going a particular direction, your life is going to be a mess. And so we're going to talk about some of those ideas tonight. Let's pray, and uh, we'll, bring, uh, we'll uh, continue our study on this tonight, verses 16 through 18 particularly. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for being our gracious Savior. Father, I yield tonight to Thee. I uh, sure do thank you for the opportunity to once again preach Your Holy Word. Father, I need Your help. Father, I pray that You'd calm us down, You'd wake our minds up, Help us to be attentive and focused, and God, that you be glorified. Father, I ask that all that's said and done would be pleasing in your sight. We need your help. We need your guidance and direction tonight. Father, I need you to speak through me, direct my thoughts, my lips, and may everything be to your honor and glory. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for being our gracious and wonderful Savior. In your precious and holy name I pray, amen. As you think on, so the Apostle Paul has gone with a doctrinal position. He's now coming to the practical side of life, practical way of living out, the practical teaching. And, you know, it is good to deal with, many times, the theological positions. But if, if you just talk about theology and doctrine, but you never apply it to life, it's not going to really, I mean, it, it's important, but the Bible the doctrines that are there are meant to be lived out, meant to be avoided. When we talk about doctrine, we're not just talking about some theological beliefs or some religious beliefs that I am to believe, 
but yet not live. Because what I believe, I'm going to live out. And, and we, we try to sometimes create these boxes. I can believe this, but I can live this way. But if I believe that God is the ultimate authority and that he's given me God's word, which is perfect, as my rule for faith and practice, I'm going to live and obey this book. It's going to be a greater authority than my own emotions, than my own thoughts. And he says something here in the first command, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, the Holy Spirit is God's answer to the flesh. Man in sin is a monstrosity. Realize this, that you are your own worst enemy. The product of what the Bible calls as a monstrosity is the flesh. Do you ever have a time in your life that you wish sometimes, you've made some bad decisions, and now you're wishing I could just pull my brain out and shut it off for a while and stop driving my own mind crazy? Well, sometimes as we live out our lives, and, and if, not sometimes, but all the time, I'm living in the flesh, my mind will not know what it is to have true peace. You know, the Apostle Paul would say in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, In me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. It is beyond redemption. God will not bless our flesh, and he has no dealings with it. Knowing this, look with me at Romans chapter 6. What does God say about our flesh? What does he desire for us? Now, when I'm talking about the flesh, I'm saying, much like I've got a little daughter. And uh, uh, my daughter, when she grows up, well, even now... But I think any of you, if you've seen little kids, have you ever seen little kids that you've had to teach to be selfish? Have you, taught, have you had to teach them to be mean to others? Now sometimes they are, uh, you know, sometimes parents might foster wrong behavior. I'm not talking about that. Do your kids, apart from any correction or mentorship, do they naturally behave very kind, giving everyone the perfect child, always listening, always obeying? I've never seen a child like that. Well, the, the fact is, you know what? We are born to want what I want, and I don't care what you want, but I want what I want. It's all about me. I mean, you think about that. Now, in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. What does that mean? Well, when someone becomes a Christian, that old man is that selfish me that wants to rule and reign over my life. I want to be my own destiny. That our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now in verse 11, Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. When you become a Christian, you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're born again. If you are living a particular way of life that is in contrast or that is against God's word, when you begin to do the things you used to do before you accepted Jesus Christ, it's going to bother you. You're going to be grieved in your soul. You're going to be grieved in your mind. There's old ways that you used to do. If you're genuinely saved and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, when you become that Christian, and you try to do the old things you used to do, it's that old man 
is going to fight with the new man. That old man's going to fight with the Holy Spirit of God saying, you shouldn't be doing this. Get your hand out of the cookie jar. You know, it's kind of like a parent saying, don't eat the hot, fresh cookies. Right? Chocolate all over your face. Where, did you eat any cookies? You know, and you're, you can, God knows all that you're doing. And there is a war going on. That old man, which is me, wanting to rule and reign my life. I am my own. No one will tell me what to do. No one's going to, you know, judge me or whatever. I will determine my own destiny. But Paul says that the weakness of the law was the flesh. In Romans chapter 8, verse 3. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. What's he saying? That you as a believer, once you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you might be in some personal habits of life. I wish I could quit. I wish I could quit this. And as you yield, you've accepted Jesus Christ. And you're saying, man, I want to change. My grandmother used to smoke three packs a day. She's now uh, passed on and with the Lord. And, and she said, God, this next weekend I'd like to be on the bus ministry. I want to serve kids and I want to minister to kids. And she'd go into a lot of different areas and run a bus. And, and she would minister all these different kids. But she said she was smoking a whole bunch a day, you know, three packs a day. And she said, God, I'd like to quit. You know what? God helped her. Never touched another one the rest of her life. You see, as a believer, we have the, and I understand some habits are harder to break than others, but as a Christian, what Christ does is he frees me that I'm no longer under the power of that sin. Christ has given me with his spirit as I yield and I obey, I have the ability to walk in freedom and liberty as you know Jesus Christ. But the weakness of the law is the flesh. And what I mean by this law you know, sometimes people say, I was talking to someone recently, I said, do you know you're on your way to heaven? They said, yeah. I said, well, how do you know? They said, well, I, I go to church, I read my Bible, uh, I say my prayers. I said, well, that's all fine and good, but you're not going to be without sin. You see, the, the law is, oh, you messed up, oh, you messed up. It's, your law is like a little sibling that is going to rat you out every time you mess up. That's what the law is. The, the law is like a little sibling, or maybe an older sibling, that's going to rat you out, that's going to tell on you every time you mess up. Guilty, 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 guilty. And you're like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put up, I'm going to muzzle you. But what we find something, look with me here in Romans 8.8. 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Look at verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. That word enmity is though a bitter rival. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The carnal mind is I'm in control. You can be a believer, but you're living life your way, your standards. I know it's probably not okay, but God will understand. That's said a lot of times. You are the authority in your life if you make that statement, not God. You're not submitting to him. And so the carnal mind is at enmity. You are literally up against the wall of God, and you will face 
great mental and potentially physical anguish. Because if you're a believer in a carnal mind, you are fighting against the Almighty God who knows everything. God made man to be indwelt by his spirit. Now, once sin entered, the Holy Spirit departed, you know, with Adam and Eve. Once Adam and Eve, who were perfect, they ate that fruit, I mean, God's spirit departed, and that relationship was broken. Before someone becomes a believer, they're known as a natural man. Natural, you do whatever you do that feels good. You're going to follow your impulses, follow your emotions, follow your hormones. You're going to follow all of these things. Now, a portrait of a natural man is found in Romans chapter 7, verse 7. Romans 7, 7. Romans 7, 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. What's that say there? Do you know, let me give you an example. If you commit a crime, I go in and I I rob a, a grocery store, right? I rob a convenience store. Well, when I'm standing before that judge, they're looking at me as a criminal, right? I'm judged. So in this idea, nay, I had not known sin but by the law. The law said, don't steal. I go in there and I rob them. I'm a criminal, right? I'm convicted. I'm, I'm, I'm choosing so that, nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law said, thou shalt not covet. Man, I'd really like to have what that person has. I think I'll take it five-finger discount, right? By sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. That word concupiscence means a strong sexual desire or a lusting of carnal things. That sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of being able to do sexually what I want to do. For without the law, sin was dead. I want to do what I want to do. Don't put any moral constraints on me. In verse 9, the Apostle Paul, for I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. As soon as the government comes and puts a particular law in place and you breach that, then you're now known as a criminal. Or you're now known as an offender of some sorts, whether it's a misdemeanor or however it's categorized. And you're guilty. All of us are guilty before God. All of us have done wrong. Verse 10, the commandment which I was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Have you ever done something in your life that you felt like you really had to do? And after you did it, you're like, man, that was a pretty dumb idea. You kind of feel shame. You're like, oh, why did I do that? It deceived you. Verse 12, wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good, was then that which is good made death in me? God forbid. But sin, that it might pierce sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might be exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. The Apostle Paul in all of this, he's saying, listen, the law is there. You have a conscience. You shouldn't do these things. Right? Your conscience. <coughs> There's sometimes you do something and you're like, ooh, I shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have done that. And you feel guilty. 
you've now committed a sin, and what that law is doing is saying, hey, you're guilty. But God is saying that guiltiness is supposed to make you feel guilty so that it brings you to God for the forgiveness of all the wrong you've done. How do I get my criminal record before God wiped clean? That guiltiness. We all need to see ourselves as guilty. Was then that which is good made death in me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. All of his efforts by the Apostle Paul, who was a religious leader, one of the highest of the high in the Pharisees, the Apostle Paul, he tried to be perfect, only to find out he couldn't be perfect. We all mess up. You see, all false religion displays fallen man's utter inability to know God in the flesh or to understand God's word. Jesus would say to Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. You see, how do I get from the selfish me wanting all that I want, how do I get to a relationship with God? The Bible says you must be born again. But I can't, in this guilty nature, the flesh, make amends with God. Nothing I can do because I'm already classified as a criminal before God. I can't undo my criminal status before God. So how do I reconcile that spiritual part of me to God? I have to receive the, the, the complete the Jesus Christ gift upon all my guiltiness. And I recognize I'm guilty. I plead guilty before God. And that's when Jesus comes in. He wipes that entire slate clean because he forgives me. I ask him to forgive me of all my sins and be my Savior. He wipes all of that away of all the flesh bad that I've ever done. And now my spirit is now reconciled with God. And I'm made clean. And my record is no more. You see, when someone accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior, various miracles happen. You, but as many as received him to them, gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. When you accept Jesus Christ by faith as a gift, not because you're good, because all of the good merits you're trying to do as an already convicted criminal before God, we're all convicted criminals, every human being who's ever lived other than Jesus Christ, I am cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ and made washed pure by what Jesus has done. And God's Spirit comes in and indwells us. And the Bible tells us in Ephesians 2.22, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Listen, God is building us up. It says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Holy Spirit of God dwelleth in you. When you become a Christian, God's Spirit comes in and dwells you, and His Spirit and your Spirit now have harmony, peace. They can live together. They're within you. Because you've accepted Jesus Christ. You've accepted, hey, <laughs> in the flesh, I am a guilty sinner. I'm guilty. I'm not perfect. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. You see, every born-again believer has two natures. He has the old you know, as a Christian, you're going to have a battle still. When you accept Christ, does everything change? Yes and no, okay? 
Yes, it changes the relationship, your eternity with God. Yes, it changes in the fact that you're now a child of God. Yes, it changes on your eternal destiny. Yes, it changes, uh, you know, in regards to the, the ability to not have to sin, not have to do bad. But no, because you're still fighting with that battle that I want what I want and I want it my way. And you're going to get in my way. And if you get in my way, I'm not going to feel good about it. You see, in 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. How do you change a flesh, that, that which is corruptible, right? It corrupts. It rusts. It's going to die. Our bodies get old. Our bodies hurt. That's corruptible, right? It can get defiled. Well, you can't use something that's rusting, if you want, I want to use rust as the idea of corrupted or, uh, you know, tainted. I can't use something that's corrupted with another corrupted thing and somehow make something perfect. In order to get something perfect out of that which is tainted, you need something perfect to come in and change it. Totally different nature. And so you have God's nature and your old nature in the same body, but the two natures are at war. And as you think on these things, <clears throat> look with me at verse 15 of Romans chapter 7. This is the war that goes on in your life and mine. Now, I want you to consider in verse 15 of Romans chapter 7 that who is speaking here is the penman, the Apostle Paul. Now, it's under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. We know that. But in Romans chapter 7, verse 15, I trust, and I bet if I was to guess that all of us would say this is exactly what I go through. Let me read on. Verse 15. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Do you ever feel like that? Man, what I hate, why do I do it? What I don't want to do, I end up doing. Ah! <laughs> I'm going crazy here. The Apostle Paul is saying, sometimes as I'm here. And then verse 16. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Paul is saying, listen, I struggle with my sinful nature. You will never be perfect until you get to heaven. Now I want to, get, I want to be like Christ. I want to be perfect. I should strive for it. But understand this, you're going to have daily battles. Now, verse 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. What's the Apostle Paul saying? He says, I don't trust my flesh. Let me give you an example of this. I have on my computer an accountability software that my wife sees everywhere I go on my computer, on my phone, and on my tablet. She says everywhere I go. You said, Pastor, you're a pastor. Shouldn't, you, shouldn't she trust you and shouldn't she do that? Yes, but I don't trust my wicked flesh. And I don't want to fall. I want to stay pure before the Lord. I want to stay pure before my wife. I want, you know, in that accountability, there is that thing that I, 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 I don't trust my flesh. You see, the moment I begin to trust my flesh, I'm in trouble because my flesh is going to deceive me. The moment I begin to trust that I have the ability, you know what, we never know uh, the depths of the actual evil of our hearts until I begin to follow my emotions. And then I get to a place like, wow, how did I ever get here? How could I ever think those thoughts? It's that flesh. It's a dirty, rotten rascal. 
going on. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Oh, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. You will have until the day of your death a battle I want what I want, and yet I want what God wants. But the more you begin to give in to what you want, you're going to begin to see the consequences of that. Even as you're serving the Lord, realize this, the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan tempted him. There were other things. You know, it says he was tempted and he sinned not. He couldn't sin, but he was tempted. The Apostle Paul, whom many people regard as a wonderful, amazing Christian, Paul is saying, I still struggle with the flesh. How do I get out of walking and going according to my selfish, proud, arrogant, non-submittive, uh, how do I stop doing that? How do I stop doing those things that I want. I mean, it just feels so good at the moment. How do I stop doing this? And here in Galatians 5, 16, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The potential for living a holy life is completely doable by the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Here's the challenge. To walk in the Spirit, you have to do something. What is that you have to do? You've got to obey. You have to obey. You have to submit your will under God's will. You know, many people don't want to submit to any authority in their life. And if you don't submit, you'll never yield to the Holy Spirit of God. You can't yield to God and not submit to the authorities God's placed. Paul does not see this as optional. It is mandatory. Walk in the Spirit, and you, won't, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Hey, if you want to stop committing these sins, you have to obey what God says you need to do. People want the peace and the joy and the comfort and the encouragement and all these things of God, but they don't want to submit their spirit to what God tells them to do. But it feels so good. Man, I... I, I we're all sinners. I guess I'll just give in this one time. And you'll never know what it's like to live in freedom. You'll be continually struggling Jesus came here, lived as a man, but as man and dwelt by God, fully God, fully man. 
moment by moment, situation by situation, Jesus Christ chose to do absolutely all that God the Father desired for him. There's a first man, Adam, and there's a second man. The first man, Adam, in the garden, he ate the fruit. The second man, Adam, Jesus Christ, he never failed. He never sinned. We are all called to be like Jesus Christ. The key to a victory in your Christian life, victory in your mind, is obedience. You may not agree with it. You may not understand it. You might say, that is a dumb rule. I don't understand it. Why? But I'm telling you, sometimes as a child, maybe sometimes you're playing in a sport and the coach says, I want you to do this. You said, oh my word. I know how to dribble. I know how to move the puck back and forth with my hockey stick. Is it really, why are we doing hours back and forth, back and forth, just handling of the puck? This is the most mundane, boring activity. But when it comes to game time, you're going to have an edge on knowing how to handle that puck because you've done it and you obeyed. That coach, sometimes those menial things you don't understand. When it comes to crunch time, and you're put to the test, you know how to react. See a firefighter as he's out there, and sometimes when we're doing our, uh, I'm an auxiliary firefighter, and there's times when I'm, we're just sometimes doing repetitious things. So when things come, we know exactly what to do. It becomes second nature. God asks us to do some things, and you don't always understand. But you need to submit your will and say, okay, God, I'll do it. In Proverbs 16, 3, commit thy works in the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. You want the peace of God without doing the works of God. You're not willing to obey. You're not willing to submit your will. No one will tell me, well, okay. You have to let God lead. And when you don't submit your will in humility, you grieve the Spirit of God, and you will never know the peace and the joy of the Lord. You know, our bodies, in Romans 8, 23, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. You know what? I'm waiting for the day when I'm no longer tempted to sin. That'll be a wonderful day. When I'm no longer tempted to have to commit what I ought not to do. And one day we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, 1 John 3, 2. Hallelujah for that day. If you don't want to keep doing, you know, a lot of times when I'm talking with people, please pray for me that I'll stop. I will pray, but until you're willing to submit to what God has told you to do, you're going to continue to feel the shame. Oftentimes people, they don't want the shame, they don't want to feel bad, they don't want all the anguish of mind and everything else that goes with it. They said, God, please pray for me to turn off all the pain. But if you're not willing to yield and submit, you'll never get this removed. You can't. You have to submit to God. Walk. Walk. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. I hope tonight I'm making sense. I, I really do hope it makes sense before you, but man, that whole thing, I, I just something's really been on my mind about this whole idea of obedience and submission. 
you'll never know the Christian life. You'll never know the goodness of God if you maintain being in the authority. Never. And I say a lot of Christians forego the goodness and mercy of God because of a lack of submission to the authority of God. In verse 17, this I say therefore in testifying the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. For those of you here in the audience tonight, did you ever think about in your life, why do I do what I do? Man, what is my life about? Where am I going? Why do I keep committing the same thing and I hate what I'm doing, but I don't know how to stop? You see, you're trying to be your own authority, but really you're submitting to Satan because you're giving in to the vanity of mind. You're either submitting to God or you're submitting to Satan. In Colossians 2.6, says, you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. We must let our conduct be controlled by the Spirit of God. Okay, pastor, what does that mean? Like, how do, like we talk about a spirit. Okay, walk in the spirit. How in the world do I do that? Number one, if you're not in this book, and you don't know what God, you're not getting God speaking to you through this book, it's going to be a whole lot harder to determine what is this, when the Spirit of God is speaking to you. You see, this book, man, there's times I'm reading it, and God is just like, hey, Chris, you need to work on this. Okay, Lord. Because I realize this book is alive. This book, I promise you. You're like, oh, you're the pastor. You have to read this book. I read this book a whole lot longer than I've ever been in the ministry. And this book has, where I'm at today, I would be nowhere because of this, unless I didn't have this, if I didn't have this book. The Spirit of God works through this book he convicts you. The Spirit of God works through preaching to say, hey, and you begin to get conviction in your life. I shouldn't be living this way. I shouldn't be saying this. I shouldn't be going this direction. In Galatians chapter 5, as we come back to our key passage, for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. Do you ever find in your life, you're like, I know I shouldn't be doing this. And then what do you say? But. Right? I know I shouldn't, but that's your flesh lusting, your flesh fighting against God's spirit. Saying, God, I know better than you. The flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. Have you ever been in a home of people that are completely opposite of beliefs? It's not a very happy place to be. In James 1.8, the Bible tells us, for a Christian, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You will be unhappy. You will be unstable. If you want what you want and you want God, I guarantee you'll be unstable. Your mind will not be a, will not be a place of peace. James would say, in James 4, 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity. means literally at war with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. If you 
are yoked up with friends or family or peers, and they are moving in the direction of doing what feels good, a direction of this world. Whom you associate is the direction you will go in your life. Your close friends will be the determination of the direction you're going. So if you make Hollywood and worldly music and all of these things, the very things you're going after, your friends, music, movies, media, all these things in your life, you will move in the direction that you're affiliating with. Those who do not love the Lord will not help you serve the Lord. That was a principle we used to have in our addiction ministries. Those who do not love the Lord will not help you serve the Lord. You are going to have a continual battle within. There is an adversary. We find that Satan's great goal was to prevent the birth of Christ. He desired to stamp out the Jewish race. Look with me at Exodus chapter 32. I'm telling you, and you might be saying, maybe this is your first time here, or the greatest desire of God for your life is to live in the liberty and the peace of God. And so when God is giving you instructions, he's giving you uh, rules, if you would, many people, we don't like rules. I don't want someone telling me what to do. But when someone who created me knows all about me, knows everything there is about me, he knows my deepest, darkest secrets, he knows he has a plan for my life, why would I not listen to that person who has my best interests at stake? But I want what I want. God can ask you, Chris, do you know where your future is going if you know what you want and you do it your way? I don't, Lord. So then why are you doing it that way? Because I don't want to listen. I want to do it my way. God might be saying, well, Chris, is it a lot easier? No, it's pretty hard, Lord. But God, it's hard to do it your way. Yeah, he says it is hard. If you continue to fight me. Have you ever tried to take a kid, you know, Sometimes when my daughter, we're going, we'll go to the grocery store together. Hey, let's go on a date. She's like, yeah, daddy-daughter date. My daughter loves daddy-daughter dates. Man, we go together. We'll go get ice cream, go to the park. We do other things together. You know what? When I have to bring her along with me, it is not a fight at all. But there's other times uh, she's not so happy to go with me. You know what? It's a whole lot harder for her as I try to get her to follow along with me because she's resisting. Or maybe with my parents when I was a young kid, they wanted me to go to a direction. And I'm kicking and screaming and I'm fighting and I'm putting my feet down. I remember my dog sometimes, my dog Callie. And uh, sometimes we tried to pull her out and, and she's like this, you know, all legs. She's just like feet out and I'm trying to pull her and, and she's over 100 pounds now, still a puppy and she's big. And, you know, and I'm trying to pull her and she's like, you know, and I'm like, wow, my mic trying to pull her and. It's really difficult. But this morning I took her for a walk, and man, she was right by my side. It was a great walk. It wasn't difficult at all. God's saying, listen, I want to take you to the land of promise. I want to take you to the peace and joy. Why don't you stop fighting me? Why don't you just listen 
want you to obey. But it's so hard. Yeah, because you're used to leading your own life your way. And it hasn't gotten you very far. In Exodus chapter 32, verse 7, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go get thee down for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf, and have worshipped it, and have sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, excuse me, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Did you just, did you just read that? Israel said the pagan idols that they just made with their own hands were the very things that got them out of Egypt, even though God did. Have you ever done something for someone else only to have someone else steal the thunder, steal the glory that you did all the work? I mean, you help someone so much and then someone else comes on the scene at the last second, does barely, I mean, does nothing, and yet they get all the, the, the glory. And you're like, what in the world? They stole. That's exactly what's going on here. Exactly. In verse 9, the Lord said to Moses, I've seen this people, and behold, it's a stiff-necked people. And in this attempt is by Satan to get, to get rid of Christ, to get rid of, you know, to, to extinguish the Israelite race, not get them into the, to where they need to be. And this war has been going on for a long time. You see, if you're a Christian, you've accepted Jesus Christ you have all of the infinite resources of the Godhead available to you. Let me say that again. If you are a Christian, you have the infinite resources of God to help you in your situation. You said, but he didn't solve it the way I wanted him to. No, because he wants you to follow. Can you imagine going into the war and you have, you know, you have certain, you have a hierarchy. You have one commander telling his soldiers. Well, imagine this commander tells his soldiers, and every one of these soldiers says, no, I'll do it my way. I'll go this way, I'll go this way, this way. And now you have everyone scattering all over the, the battlefield. And you're like, ah, uh, how are we going to win the war? If you're going to play a football game, and all of your players, some go that way, some go that way, some go that way. I mean, if they go all over the field, you're just like, ah, uh, game over. Game over. All the players work together on a particular play that the coach calls so they can win the game. The flesh lusteth against the spirit. We want what we want. And Satan knows how to get in, disguise, and he'll give you something. Man, it talks about in Proverbs a woman that'll come in with the subtlety of her speech and, and she'll just come in and Man, she just speaks, she flatters you. Man, you're the smartest, godliest, best person I know. And you're thinking, wow, I think I am. I think I am. And little by little, as this speech comes, you're pulled into her lure, and eventually you end up doing things you regret. You said, how could I have been so foolish? You weren't walking in the Spirit. You weren't listening to God. You began to listen to the voices of man. If you lust, if you <clears throat> obey, walk in the flesh, but if you're led of the Spirit, you're not under law. You're not going to know guilt. You're not going to know shame. You can have a peace of mind. 
Paul wants to emphasize that living a holy life is not achieved by self-effort. It is not achieved by going through. You know what? We can sing, we can pray, take communion, wear a holy shirt, we can fast, we can deprive ourselves, carry a Bible, go on visitation, tell people about Jesus, go to Bible Bible school, go to seminary, preach. We can do all these things. But if I'm just doing them in my flesh, I'm at war with God. You mean doing all those good things? Yeah, I'm still at war with God. Holy living is not achieved by doing, it's achieved by being, walking in the Spirit. God's Spirit's never going to coerce, nor compel, nor ever put a pressure on, and never bullies. No, He does not drive, He leads. He asks, will you follow me? He leads us into all truth. He leads in the paths of righteousness. He leads us step by step. He leads us gently. He leads us understandingly. You know what? A good leader knows the weaknesses and strengths of those who follow him or her, but follows him, and in a way so that they can say, hey, I know my team members on my team, maybe at work, this one's strong here, this one's weak here, and maybe, and you work with the weaknesses and strengths of your team so you can accomplish the mission. God knows my weaknesses, my strengths. He knows your weaknesses, your strengths, so that the mission can get accomplished. Seeing souls saved, lives discipled, churches reproduced, missions to go forth. God leads us into all truth. He leads gently. He leads us in our daily quiet time. If you're not meeting with the commander, God, every day, and I say in the morning, you will lead a defeated life. He gently comes in our spirit and convicts us, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, I know, but. And as soon as you say but, you have now determined who the authority is other than God. Your Christian life is a one-step-at-a-time decision. If you're led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. You're not guilty. You don't feel shame. You don't feel the regret. You don't feel all the anxiety for being at war with God. And if you're here tonight and you're doing things in your life you know you shouldn't be doing, you're a Christian, you said, I know I shouldn't be doing this, and it bothers you, but you continue to do it, then you're grieving the Spirit of God. And I say tonight, you need to get on your face before God and ask Him to forgive you and then make a commitment, I'm going to follow His lead. Because to continue in the path you're going, you grieve the Spirit of God. And God very well may end your life early if you're a Christian. You see, it is important. If you love God, the first two commandments, right? The first two greatest commandments, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, strength, and mind. If I love him, I'm just going to trust him. If I'm trusting him, I'm following him. Because he says, come, follow Walk. Correct? And then he says, love your neighbors yourself. It's impossible to love my neighbors myself if I fail the first test of just loving and trusting and following God. It's impossible. Because you don't have God's empowerment to help you to do that, which is impossible to love your neighbors yourself. 
Christian, we've got to get to the place where I say I will submit and obey God no matter what. Because if I don't, I'm going to reap a lot of consequences that I'm going to regret later on. And if you're at a place in life and maybe you've gone the wrong direction, you know what? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Christian, you can have freedom back in your life. You can have the joy of the Lord in spite of what you may be going. If you will submit and do what is proper, but you've got to be willing to submit and obey. Stop being the authority in your life. And maybe you're here tonight, and the Bible says, if you're here tonight and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, you've never been born again, the Bible says you're on your way to a place the Bible calls hell. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You're on your way to hell. But there's a gift. And if you'll receive that gift by faith, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know what? You don't have to be a good person. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to pray. You don't have to do any of those things to get to heaven, but you must recognize who Jesus is. That thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. You can be eternally saved, forever saved, never. You will become God's child tonight if you'll just call out to God and ask Him to forgive you and be your Savior. If you've never done that, I'd love to meet with you after the service and show you how you can know for sure. But I want to tell you, you, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. You could walk out these doors, be hit by a vehicle, you could slip and fall and, and never live again. You need to determine, number one, are you God's child? If you are a Christian, we need to obey, submit, to God, to the authorities he's placed. And then we can begin to enjoy the sweet fellowship with God. But until then, we will continue to be at strife with God. With all heads bowed and eyes closed tonight in the time of invitation, if you're new here tonight, this is a period of time we just pray quietly where you're seated and uh, just for a short period of time to pray and talk with God. However his spirit may have been speaking to your spirit tonight, to pray if God's convicting you, maybe telling you you've done something wrong, you're doing wrong, you're living wrong, and you just need to say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me, and then be willing to do what is right. You see, God's desire is not to keep you away. He desires to have close fellowship with you. He's not a mean God. He doesn't want to shun you. He wants a relationship with you as a sweet child, as a father with a child. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. Forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can be pure. doesn't matter what you've done. You can be pure, Christian, if you're just willing to, number one, submit your will and ask God to forgive you. Following in the likeness of Christ, you can know freedom. You can know joy and purity and cleanliness if you'll just submit and obey.